It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Austin left field deep, Bam going back, looking up, he will watch it fly! And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back! Goal for Yelich! Cody Bellinger hits one out. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Speaking of spin rates, boy, we got a lot of news going on in Major League Baseball today as they're trying to get rid of the high spin rate. Chris Townsend with you here from the Coliseum, getting you ready for a little A's baseball coming your way. The Athletics and the Halos. The Angels in town, game two of a three-game set. But we've got a lot going on today. Andy Martino from SNY wrote a book called Cheated. And I cannot wait. The inside story of the Astros scandal and a colorful history of sign-stealing. It's been going on forever, but the Astros obviously took it to a whole new level. And baseball said it only happened the year that they won the World Series. But Andy and this book are going to tell you, oh, no, 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 no. It still happened in 2018, 2019. We will talk about it. Ray Fossey's going to be here at 430. Travis Shawchick, who is the author of The MVP Machine and senior baseball writer for The Score, will also be here as Major League Baseball has come down saying, boys, this whole stickiness is going to end. And how it's going to end, I don't know. And I know for a lot of us, it's kind of getting old talking about this. But once again, it is the main story in Major League Baseball today about what is going to happen with pitchers and what they're doing to the baseball. Pitchers have have been putting on foreign substances on the baseball for a long, long time. I mean, Ray Fossey caught the Hall of Famer, Gaylord Perry. We know all about Vaseline and the spitter, as they like to call it. Interesting how it was Vaseline, but yet they called it a spitter since we've been really looking at words and how they are defined in Major League Baseball, especially with cliches. But what are pitchers going to do? The baseball, the seams, there's barely no seams on the ball. As I was talking about last night in the postgame show on the A's Clubhouse show, I was holding a ball that I believe the ball I had is from 2019. I mean, it's like a cue ball. And with all these guys out there throwing the ball 99 to 100, 101, and guys are getting hit at almost a record rate. And that's with having spider tack or whatever 
glue type substance that it's like a cocktail that people are coming up with so that pitchers have a better grip on the ball. If now they're not going to be able to use that, how many more guys are now going to be hit in baseball? It's kind of scary. So what's baseball going to do? Are they going to come up with their 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 own version of what players can use? I was tipped off last night, and I always, to protect myself, say allegedly that there was a bottle of men's hair gel in the Angels dugout last night. Why? Why would you have hair gel? I mean, Cody, I'm looking at your hair right now as it's sticking straight up, obviously with some type of foreign substance. Why would you have hair gel in your dugout during a Major League Baseball game? It's a great question. And by the way, my hair gel costs more money than Spider-Tac does. So uh, is it as sticky as Spider-Tac? I don't know. I never use Spider-Tac, but it costs more money on Amazon Prime as a Prime member. It costs more money. Um, but that is weird. I thought I've seen before, though, uh, in dugouts years ago, Suavito, which is a uh, is, is men's hair gel. I've seen that in dugouts before, too. But this is years ago, before spin rate was huge and all the foreign substances. I swear I've seen that in dugouts before. But Why? I, I, I don't know. Why would you have men's hair, whether it's gel, cream, hairspray? By the way, breaking news. I'm watching Ramon Laureano, as we speak, go first to third on the bases. This is great news, Ace fans. You've been asking, when's Ramon Laureano going to come back? Well, this is the last thing that he has to do to be able to prove that he's able to go. We saw this exact same procedure with Chad Pender, where you can run the cones and do the the uh, agility drills, You can take balls in the outfield, but the last thing you need to prove to Nick Paparesta, who's out there with Ramon Laureano right now, and that's one of the benefits normally of us being on the field, but since we can't be on the field yet, still being here in the press box, is we get to see that, we get to see things no one else gets to see. Uh, Ramon Laureano's running the bases, and we'll we'll get back to your spider tack and your hair gel, but... That's great news because this is the next step to get him back on the field. Yeah, we saw him take and we saw him take BP yesterday against JB Wendelkin. So uh, that was you know, and, and they said yeah, you know, Bob Melvin said and David Force has told us if, if it goes well with the batting practice against JB Wendelkin and, and him running the bases, he could potentially be activated tomorrow. So the finale, the homestand finale tomorrow against the Angels day game, twelve thirty seven. Uh, we could see Ramon Laureano back before the big road trip that starts in. New York, Texas, and San Francisco. We can see Ramon Laureano back in the outfield. So hopefully uh, it all progresses when we'll see him back. But Spider Tack, I don't know what's the. I, I'm going to go probably go Spider Tack. Might be a little more um, uh, stronger than my hair gel because uh, when I put these headsets on, my hair gets pretty messed up. So I don't know if I put Spider Tack, my hair might might stick, might stay in place. But I don't, that's weird to hear that was in a dugout. When you mentioned that earlier, I don't I don't know. That's that's odd to hear that. Because I I swear I've seen it before. This is like I said years ago that I thought I've seen it. But well, so it was just it, it was a tip I got last night, where somebody who was close to their dugout said I saw this. Thought you should know, and that's why I say allegedly it was men's hair gel. Do we know How what... are you going to enforce that? How are you going to enforce? Like hairspray is sticky, right? Yeah, I use hairspray too. 
wow. saying. Wow, you just admitted that? Yeah. Do, 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 are we recording oh, this Oh, I blow show? dry my hair, too, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> oh my I take my hair seriously. <laughs> Not afraid to admit it. All right. Hey, I mean, um, okay. You blow dry your hair. You use hairspray. And is it gel? Because I, no. gr- I use grooming cream. Uh, yeah, it's more of something like that. But the fact that, you know, I can't even remember the last time I've done my hair. Uh, I'll never forget when you and Billy Bean talked about your gro- your uh, Aveda grooming cream because he talked about your hair, and you're like, no, nah, it's no gray. No stress, bro. Because Billy commented how great your hair looked. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't remember the last time I have not worn a hat and gone out in public. Well, I mean, no one – Take you behind the curtain. I saw what you looked like during the pandemic. Your hair was getting pretty long there. <laughs> yeah, it was getting long. <laughs> I like seriously. I can't remember the last time I've actually dressed up and like. Oh, Dick Callahan. Dick Callahan's celebration, the celebration of life, was the really the only time I put a suit on, and it's the only time I've dressed up during the pandemic. Uh, was for Dick Callahan. Are you going to dress up on Thursday, or not wear a hat on Thursday, or are you going to wear a hat Thursday at Disneyland? Yeah. Which, by the way, kind of. Get ready, people, Northern California, Southern California. Uh, Disneyland has lifted their mask mandate. I am going to Disneyland on Thursday. We're playing the Angels tomorrow, as you mentioned, day game, 1235. A's total access at 1135. And then tomorrow night, I'll be getting on my first flight since you and I were in Arizona for spring training. Well, so long ago. I've been on a flight during the pandemic. It's it. It's it's weird. Well, I went when I went peak pande- pandemic. I went home for my grandma's passing, but I went peak when like there was no middle seat. Like literally, no one was on a plane. I mean, I took Bart to work today. There's still nobody on Bart, and we're coming out of like trying to come out of a pandemic. So you'll see a lot more people on the plane. But you know, that's gonna be crazy seeing going on a pl- flight for the first time since March of 2020. Yeah, and you think how much I used to fly. Yeah, with the Raiders, some with the A's. I mean. I haven't been on a plane since 2019. I will be on one tomorrow. So I'm going. I'm taking my kids to Disneyland because I promised them when we could finally go. They've been jonesing. We're going to Disneyland on Thursday. I will be back for the Yankee series, of course, because you know how much I hate the New York Yankees. They stink. And with the fact that they can't hit is, is, is bringing great joy to my life. They stink. Yeah. They, by the way, you know they start a series with today, right? The best team in New York. That's the Buffalo, Buffalo Jays. Jays. My Buffalo Jays. And the hottest hitter in baseball, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who hit another home run last night. Mix in with my man, Marcus Simeon. Let's go, Jays. Yeah, it's going to be a great series. Hopefully the Jays can soften them, soften them up for the A's because the Yankees, are, I think, are only game over right now. Will the Jays ever play in Toronto again? I mean, we, we talked about yesterday at the end of the show with, with uh, the Canadians who got who, – uh, who lost to the uh, – I called it the end. I said, I said Gold, Vegas is going to win that series. Canadians lost yesterday uh, to Vegas because they're traveling. They're allowed to travel to Vegas to play. Um, I think we might be seeing the Blue Jays play. In, uh, oh, may- I, maybe. I, I, I'm betting that they don't play this season in Toronto. Like, the, the, the Canadians, they had some type of pull saying, hey, this is getting, ri- this is getting ridiculous. I, I don't think, though, that's going to – they're going to start allowing American teams because, you know, like Mickey Morbido told me, as Mickey, the legend, happy birthday. It was his birthday this past week. He talked about how, you know, our player, players don't want to go back to the bubble. Now, the NHL, for their playoffs, you know, I'm looking down on the field right now. 
Ramon really didn't run very much. And they've they've stopped the running. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And Nick Nick Paparesta talking to Ramon Laureano. That'll be very interesting to see how that plays out. I'm sure Bob Melvin will talk about it a little bit later. Ramon didn't run the bases all that much. I don't know if that's a good or bad sign. It's one of the things that we're able to tell you what's going on, kind of give you a play-by-play of Ramon Laureano and his comeback. Uh, he's talking to Nick Paparesta as we speak. He ran first to third a little bit, and he ran from home plate to first base a little bit. Wasn't very much. I don't know if that's good or it's bad. They've had a long conversation, but we'll hear later on. Well, before we get to Andy Martino, we talk about the Astros and cheating. Uh, congrats to Bob, by the way. Getting the contract extension? Do you have uh, Do you have Billy Bean talking about the importance of Bob Melvin inside this organization? A very rare Billy Bean appearance. Billy Bean on Zoom earlier with Bob Melvin and David Force. Here's what Billy Bean said about what Bob Melvin means to the uh, to the Ace franchise. The one thing about this job, you know, when you're uh, David and I's position, one thing with Bob, you never. I mean, you listen. You can go to bed knowing that whatever he says, you're going to wake up in the morning and it's always going to be the perfect thing. And 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 it's almost consistent. And that's a real sense of comfort. I mean. In some sense, Bob is the representative to the organization on a daily basis. And honestly, nobody does it better. I mean, uh, and, and we sleep at night. I mean, knowing that, hey, when we wake up in the morning, uh, that he's always said the right thing. And he has the perfect tone, the perfect pitch, no matter what's the situation. And it's a skill. It's an art. And it's also a testament to the type of person he is, because I think it's genuine. I think I listen. I I enjoyed reading the article this weekend, uh, you know, with Lexi, his daughter. I, you know, it was great to see Lexi get quoted and Bob's, it's just perfect. And uh, it's genuine. And uh, again, it's one of the skills he brings to the position that's really, really important these days. And, and we don't take it for granted. We really don't. I mean, uh, I've been in this game a long time and there's times when I've woken up when I've had employees or, you know, people that said things that I've cringed and just, I don't think it's ever happened one time with, with, Bob. He is, as you say, Ken, he's an amazing, between being a great manager, he's also an amazing representative of the organization and the community, quite frankly, because he's a member of the community and always has been. And, and, and again, uh, you know, when you speak about the option not to segue somewhere else is that, listen, if this option wasn't picked up by the Oakland A's, there'd be a line of five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten deep that would love to have the conversation with Bob Melvin. I'll say it, Bob will never say it, but that's how much he's respected around the game. I know because I talked to my peers. And they, they have that respect. So uh, if we don't pick up this option, and you know, there's plenty of people who would love to have that opportunity. That's how, that's how much people think of Bob in this game. That's called hashtag fact. Don't forget, the New York Yankees came calling. And John Fisher, the owner, said no. But don't forget that. The New York Yankees were interested before they hired Aaron Boone. We are lucky to have this man as our manager and our leader. I mean, I think Billy hit the nail on the head. Bob's just not the manager of the team. He represents the franchise. He's the guy that speaks every single day. And as as someone who grew up an A's fan and understands the history, but the most important thing, and I think for Billy and David also, is the three-headed monster that understands the pitfalls with these jobs. 
It's not easy. There's a lot going on with the Oakland A's, right? There always is. But no matter what they have to go through, they win. They get to the postseason. Trying to go to the postseason four straight years. I mean, look at all the drama that is around this organization right now. There's tons of drama. But what do they do? They don't worry about it. They just keep winning. Do we have Andy? Andy, how are you? Chris Townsend with the Oakland Athletics. Hey, how you doing? Thanks for having me. I I, I I have been presented with a copy of your book. I haven't read it yet, but as you know, the Oakland A's were the original team to complain to Major League Baseball that something's going on in Houston. And boy, ever since that moment, it's amazing what people like you have discovered what the Astros were doing to get the edge on everybody else when they were playing their home games. That's right. The A's and Bob Melvin uh, were one of many, many teams that felt like something funny was going on, and they were a team that complained early. You know, it's funny that Bob Melvin, A.J. Hinch dynamic is a, a quietly long and winding thing. Uh, Melvin was fired in, in Arizona in 2009, and Hinch was the controversial hire who couldn't uh, really couldn't get control of the clubhouse in part because those guys missed Melvin. And, and didn't accept Hinch's leadership. All those years later, you have them in Oakland and Houston. And, uh, yeah, there were tensions. There were tensions. Melvin at one point uh, in the A's complained that the Astros' base coaches might have been stealing signs. Uh, the Astros actually believed at one point that the A's were banging a trash can in 2017. Uh, the A's weren't, by all accounts. And, in fact, there was some thought with the Astros, with some Astros people that heard that grumbling, that it was uh, it was like you're projecting, you're banging the trash can, and you think everyone's doing it. So now you think the A's are doing it. But, yeah, there's, there's those those tensions between the two teams definitely go back as far as, as anything in this. Well, yeah, I remember Bob told me that at one point A.J. Hinch came over and apologized to Bob, didn't exactly say what he was apologizing for, but he apologized to Bob. So we've all known this was going on. Now, the one thing for me, Andy, that I like to stress to, to my listeners is, listen, if you're going to set up, because I've talked to our people here, if you're going to set up a camera in center field and you're going to wire that all the way back through the dugout and below the dugout, there's got to be a lot of people who are involved because you just can't tell me that Alex Cora went to Best Buy and bought everything, and then Alex Cora showed up and set everything up. This was an organizational-wide thing, and, and the fact that they just tried to blame it on a couple people, to me, to at this day, for Major League Baseball in the Astros, this is still a joke. Well, I'll tell you how it went exactly with that camera, uh, which goes a long way toward answering, went a long way toward answering the questions that I had along a similar vein. So in a nutshell, the Astros were a pioneering team in purchasing the Edgertronic camera, which is widespread now. It's like takes pictures at a thousand frames a second. It helps pitchers with their grip, hitters with their swing. And they were using it in 20, uh, 2017, excuse me, early in the season to work on legitimate stuff. And their replay room that year was far from the dugout. So in-game, they couldn't use it. So Alex Cora, Carlos Beltran, and probably a few others asked to get a 
TV monitor closer. They called it a video annex. And uh, there were a couple of feeds available on that TV. One was the Edutronic camera, which they were using for, again, legitimate purposes. And the other was just the center field replay camera. So it actually wasn't a camera that was put in for this purpose. Uh, however, the Astros could use an IP address basically to type in and say, we want the Edutronic on this TV monitor or we want the center field view. It's like a Hawkeye camera like they use for replay, the kind of feed that you'd have in a replay room. So it, it wasn't actually that anyone had to go to Best Buy. It was that it was already there and they appropriated it for that reason. Wow. So they, I mean, that that's pretty smart. Uh, and, you know, we talk about you win a World Series, you get away with it, and then Major League Baseball wanted to act like, oh, but then they stopped after that, and we're just going to, we're, 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 we're going to get after these four guys. Everybody else is good. All right, there's no way they stopped doing this, right? They kept doing it? They did stop banging the trash can. But the 2018 and 2019 seasons are filled with complaints, allegations, evidence of other things. For example, uh, one time in 2018, the Seattle Mariners get to minimate their uh, GoPro cameras in the dugout under the bench. So the Mariners are like, uh, okay, and they covered them with towels and they played the game. Something like that. That happened. Uh, the Yankees in the 2019 ALCS, 19, believe and continue to believe that there were there was a pattern of flashing lights in the scoreboard, which were indicating uh, the pitch that was coming. There was a team that was told by a contact they had on the Astros in 2018 that one of those massage guns, they're called paraguns, were, which are kind of like drills. They're being drilled into the wall behind the home dugout to, to get signed to someone who was sitting on the other side of the wall, literally feeling the drilling. And sure enough, members of that team that got that intel, they went around to the home dugout one afternoon. They saw a hole drilled in one particular spot in the, in the concrete wall there. Uh, so this is all 18 and 19. And it's all, all things that there were multiple teams continually trying to uh, raise them out. We're raising the MLB. That is absolutely crazy. And the fact that Jeffrey Lunau really into even this day, I mean, we've heard limited from him, was just basically like, oh, this was the lower-level employees. I had nothing to do with this. I, we, I remember we talked to Ned Coletti, used to be the GM of the Dodgers, and we know uh, Ned from being the assistant GM with, with, with the Giants. And I, I asked him, is there any way if you're you're the basically the guy running the franchise, you would know this? He went, no, there's no, you'd have to know. I mean, well, how, how do you feel about Jeffrey Lunau and all this? I think the important, most important takeaway from him that all sorts of people told me who worked there is that he created a culture where this thing was understood to be something you should pursue. I'm not sure if he's the type of baseball guy that would actually have gotten in the weeds on exactly how science dealing worked. Uh, he wasn't someone, obviously, who came up as a field person in any way. And that might not have been his level of interest or understanding. But what he did do was pressure everyone to come up with new ideas all the time. Uh, he, he demonstrated by his actions, like trading for Roberto Ozuna, who, which his front office did not want to do after Ozuna had a bad 
not that all domestic violence instances aren't bad, but this one was particularly bad in Toronto. And all kinds of things where he said winning is the most important thing. You communicate winning is the most important thing. Other teams are ahead of us. You better keep up. So it's the kind of environment that would be right for some young, very smart, say, intern to come up with a time feeling system or for players to understand that the bosses in this organization wouldn't necessarily crack down on that. Uh, that, that to me, was Luno's biggest contribution to it. You know, when we look back, and because of COVID-19 and we only had a 60-game schedule, it, it, it just doesn't seem like A.J. Hinch and Alex Cora really paid the price we thought they were going to pay. Do you think baseball did enough to detour teams from ever doing this again? That's a, that's a, that's a big question, isn't it? I think that uh, the you're right that those guys in this tent got the shortest year-long suspension in history because of the pandemic. Uh, so that was what it was. There was a tremendous amount of humiliation that they endured that I would have to think would be a deterrent for someone else in that situation going forward. And MLB also has tightened up what goes on in clubhouses, what players can do. You know, players can't be uh, – they don't have the freedom to go into the replay room and look at video real time like they did in 2017. The different things have been tightened up over the years. It's harder to do that stuff now. Now, look, trying to get signed is age-old piece of the game that we would obviously expect people to, in a new generation to probably try to figure out different ways to do it. Uh, so, you know, in the short term, though, I, I would think, and it's the same thing with this foreign substance thing. You know, the memo that was issued today was included uh, a, a line that clubs and management could be punished for sticky stuff violations and that's where it actually gets serious because if you're the GM and the manager of a team you don't want to end up where Luno and Hinch ended up so I think that helps yeah that's a really good point and I can't wait to read your book we're gonna have to have you on again once I read it I, I seriously I just got a copy put in front of me today uh, what's the one thing about your investigation that when you found out you were like Really? They were really doing that? What's that one thing that shocked you? I would say it was the length that surprised me the most because of the great work in the athletic and uh, videos that we've seen from 17 with the trash can. This has kind of been understood to be a 2017 issue. But the stuff I was describing just a few minutes ago, about 18 and 19, uh, well, you don't have a whistleblower like Mike Fires on that kind of stuff. I was told by plenty of sources, this, this stuff was either going on or being heavily suspected and complained about by other clubs, not by the media, not by anybody, but actually GMs, managers, coaches of other teams. So it's that fact that it was more of an era than a year probably that uh, surprised me the most. So Jim Crane, the owner of the Astros in 2019, was playing in the AT&T down at Pebble Beach, the, the Pro-Am. And he went on the morning show on KMBR 680, the giant station. And, you know, they did the softball interview with him. But then after he was done with the interview, and I know this, 
He told the guys off the air, hey, listen, there were a lot of people doing this. It just wasn't us. And Jim Crane leaves the press room. I come walking in, and these guys tell me who are doing the morning show. So Jim Crane off the year admitted there were other teams that were doing it, and only, only were they punished. How many teams do you think or give a percentage were doing a lot of the same things the Astros were doing? It doesn't surprise me to hear that because that's been kind of the Astros' mentality that you still get from some of those guys. Where, And they really did genuinely believe in 17 – and they were doing the trash can thing. Like, look, we just got to keep up. This is what happens in the game. Everyone's doing this. And, yeah, there were a lot. Of, one is a quote in the book where one GM of a team that definitely got into a little bit of code breaking, no crap, trash can bang or anything. This GM said, look, we're all operating in shades of gray on this during those years. But the Astros were black and white. Meaning, and you know, the people from the Astros now say we thought everyone else was doing it. Honestly, everyone else was not doing exactly what we were doing. So, there's a self-justification there of, of everyone was doing it, but I tell you, I, I I have not heard of any club that pushed it as far as the Astros. Andy, let's end on this. The fact that they thought that they could do this and there's going to be turnover on your roster every single year, that players would leave their team and not say anything? I mean, how dumb can you be? Yeah, well, that was short-sighted. The garbage can itself is pretty short-sighted, right? You, you can hear it. <laughs> so ultimately, that I think if it weren't for those videos that came out with boom, then it's, there wouldn't be nearly the outrage. So there are a lot of things about this that you look back on and you go, gee, for a smart organization, that this or that or the other technique might not have been so smart. And you're right. Guys move around. Guys talk. Pitchers don't like this kind of stuff for obvious reasons. Uh, so, in a sense, it probably was only a matter of time before someone like Fires came out. And, and he really, whatever his intention was in that interview, and whether he's glad he did it or not, I don't know, but he changed the game. He performed his service in that whistleblower role. Well, Andy, uh, I hate the Astros, and I don't think I'm ever going to pr- uh, promote a book like I'm going to promote yours. I want all our fans to read this. I want everybody to know what these cheaters are doing because I've compared them to bank robbers. Okay, so they got to rob the bank. They got to keep the money, and they got to squeal on four guys. Four guys took the fall, but everybody else got to keep the money. They got to keep the World Series rings. They got to keep everything. They robbed the bank and got away with it. It just disgusts me even to this day. Well, I appreciate that that strong emotion is leading you to help sell my book, so yes. I will take it. Thank you. Promote away. Uh, Andy, I'm going to read this book. I cannot wait, and we will have you on again. Great. Thanks so much for having me tonight. Thank you so much, Andy. You take care. Sure, you too. Cheated. The inside story of the Astros scandal and the colorful history of sign stealing. I know someone who stole signs back in the day with the Cleveland Indians, allegedly, allegedly, at the old uh, mistake by the lake when he was uh, on the DL. And I also know a guy that... uh, Caught a, play, caught a uh, player that had no problem putting a uh, foreign substance on the ball and is one of the greatest of all time to be able to do that. That would be the face of the franchise. Do we have his open ready? Give the man this honor. 
Wednesday is known as hump day for everyone during the work week. But on A's Cast Live, Wednesday means one thing. It's time for 30 uninterrupted minutes with the two-time World Series champion, two-time All-Star, two-time Rawlings Gold Glove winner, A's analyst on NBC California, and the face of the franchise, Ray Fossey. Hello, Ray Fossey. How are you? Tommy, what's the uh, conversation about today? Uh, <laughs> well, we can talk about um, the Astros are still cheaters. That's an interesting book. And uh, foreign substances on the ball is not being permitted, Ray. Yeah, I just uh, that's that's come out big time today, huh? Is it now? They said Monday. Is that next Monday or retroactive to yesterday? Uh, it's next Monday. The commander, yeah, our so, rules uh, official, said it's uh, next Monday. Yeah, you know, I was thinking on the way in about all this and and how they're saying that uh, that if a baseball is checked, and let's say someone puts it on there then the pitcher and the person who might have put on it, put the substance on, could both be ejected and suspended. Now, the reason I say that, because there are two catchers that I know of in particular, um, uh, Maldonado and um, uh, not Trevino, but uh, anyway, he, pitched, he called for the Astros and, um, and the Rangers, but they have Pine tar on the shin guards next to their leg. Now, they do that for themselves. However, let's say they do that. Ball comes in. Ball one, they put their hand on the baseball, throw it back to the pitcher. Substance is on that baseball. And let's say the, the pitcher, oh, that feels pretty good. And then, boom, goes. And all of a sudden, that could have Chirinos is the other catcher. Chirinos. Trinos and Maldonado both do that, and, I, and I've seen them. I mean, they're, they're just on every time, boom, they're there. They're going to their shin guard for the, uh, for the pine tar. But I, I think it's for them, I think it's for their feeling. I, I See, I never like – I like to have kind of a dryness. You know, I didn't like stick them on my hand when I threw because it's like it's sticking. <laughs> so you can imagine. <laughs> but did you put pine – did you go batting gloves? Uh, not at the beginning because nobody used them then, but I eventually did. Yeah, because if you're doing pine tar on your bat, it's right, going to be on your hands. Right, but I never put it on the top hand, which is my throwing hand. I put it on the bottom hand. All right. You know, so, but, you know, there, there are a lot of things that, you know, a pitcher could be innocent. You know, he could be innocent. He gets a ball and he throws it, and then it's inspected, and they say, that ball's dirty. Well, I didn't do anything on it, you know, but somebody else could have if they're using a substance. So, so essentially, I think under the new guidelines that you're going to have everybody on the team, position players, pitchers, everybody that's going to have to eliminate anything they have used to help them, say, get a better grip on the baseball. Now, let, let's say your favorite player, George Brett, Stephen Vogt. Um, certain guys don't use batting gloves. They pine tar. Boom, they put all this pine tar on their hands. So it's on their hands. So when they throw, you know. When they go out to play in the field. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot of things that, that can happen. Yeah. But, but you know what? They want the pace of the game. They want to speed up the game. All this is going to do is slow it down. Well, they're saying they're going to check all these guys yeah. in between innings. and So I was tipped off last night, allegedly, that the Angels, there was a, a bottle or maybe it was a tube I got to go back in my text of men's hair gel. Why is hair gel in the dugout? Uh, 
I mean, you want to look pretty in the fifth inning? Maybe Cody does. Yeah. You just Cody wants some, some, some glue. It's like they're going to they're gonna, they're gonna, – I mean, yeah. whether it's going to be hairspray or they're going to figure out. I mean, I I know hair. You put hairspray on your fingers, that's sticky. Right. I mean, they're going to. Yeah, and uh, so I guess there's some concoction. But did you see the uh, Sports Illustrated article on uh, Brian Bubba Harkins? No, that, but that he, just came he, out? he had his own well, cocktail. But see, see, he took the fall for everybody. And that's what, I mean, uh, this was a big article, and I, I was on today, and I, I saw and I read the whole thing. And, and I, I know Bubba. We've known him for as long as we've gone down there. And um, But yeah, I, I guess the part, and, and I'm paraphrasing what was in the article, where Billy Epler, who was the general manager at the time, called him in and essentially said, you know, this is it. You're fired, whatever. And, and Bubba said, Billy, everybody in your clubhouse is doing it. So why me? They're all doing it. But he was helping the opposition, right? But, but I, listen, I, I don't know what was going on. It, it, it's not that he was helping. You know, for, for clubhouse managers, visiting guys in particular. You want to get paid. Well, <laughs> prior, prior to 2016, I, re, I remember specifically when, the, when uh, Troy Percival was with the Tampa Bay Rays and the Rays came into town, Joe Madden was their manager, and Mikey Thalbum on the visiting side. This is, this is different from the stick stuff, but it, it just goes to show you. But – so all these players couldn't get the In-N-Out burgers and Troy Percival of pizza. So they come to the park 12 o'clock for a 7 o'clock game. Where are the In-N-Out burgers? Can't have them. And, and then Troy said, Mikey, I give you X number of dollars every day for, for what? He said, for pizza. And he said, where are my pizzas? Can't get it. So what had happened, the nutritionist from Tampa Bay had sent this edict to the person here saying, none of this stuff is allowed in the clubhouse, <laughs> but didn't tell anybody. Of the team. So the A's swept the Rays that weekend series for three games. And finally, Joe Madden called the general manager and said, hey, my guys want an in-and-out burger. Do you think that I could go get some now? And they said, yeah, go get them. So, but it was after the fact they left town. So poor Mikey got nothing. But there is a case where the clubhouse manager is penalized because he basically is providing all this stuff for the players. And that weekend he couldn't do it. And nobody could figure out why. And this was all done secretive, kind of. Even I don't even know if Joe knew, it, knew about it. All I know is that those players specifically, because In-N-Out Burger only goes so far east. And, and so all these guys from Tampa Bay were coming out here. There's an In-N-Out Burger across the street from the Coliseum. And they know that. And so they were saying, okay, here's the money. Go get the In-N-Out Burgers and, and bring them over here. No, no, no. You get salad, Ray. Oh, yeah. And here's a little sa- – you get well, salmon well, or now, chicken. Now, now you do. Now you do. <laughs> but not then. This, this was prior to – and this was prior to the CBA of 2016 when they, 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 they cut out the, the clubhouse managers having to serve the food, like three meals a day. You know, I mean, a lot of, lot of things changed in the, in the uh, CBA 2016, which is going to change again this, you know, this December. So we'll see what happens. But, you know, I think Jerry Blevins was quoted in the article. And I, I, I thought it was uh, admirable on his part to come out. Uh, and he said, there's no reason Bubba should take the fall for everybody. And, you know, here's a Jerry Blevins that just retired this year. But, um, y- you know, it's just something that I, personally, I don't know what the heck the deal is. But I guess if you're, if you're throwing a baseball and it's sticky versus maybe – and that's why guys are licking their fingers and then have to wipe them. Or they're going to the rosin, going to their moisture on their arms and then the, ros- uh, the rosin. 
uh, I guess trying to get some sort of a stick them on their on their fingers and so it gives them a better grip. Now, unfortunately, last night, how many four guys from the A's got hit? And Chad Pender, my goodness, that was scary. That was a split-finger fastball. I know. Just think if it had been a true fastball from Guerra. See, that's the thing. It's like, you know, Ray, we didn't have any of this stuff, right? right? And, and I was trying to think, like, what advantage would you have if you had I, the spider tack? I don't know if that would, like, help a split finger. I could see, like, a breaking ball or yeah. a fastball. Right. I don't know how that – because the way you split your fingers, right. the way it comes out tumbling, right. I just right. – I just I, I mean, I described it last night in the postgame show. Just kind of unlucky. Yeah, I think so. I think that just two of You're them. You're not trying to hit somebody with a split finger. Yeah. No, no. And, and boy, it was just unfortunate the way Chad turned. And when he turned his helmet, it just exposed his whole side. Uh, I mean, he turned properly. It's just that he took the helmet with him and got hit. And that's scary. And, you know, my, I said it. I said, when you start seeing the leg shaking, you know, that's scary. Uh, because if you're just lying there, you know, I guess that's one thing. But it's something about the legs, you know, shaking just like yours right now. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yours is different right and now. It, but, I mean, with what he was doing last night, kicking like he was, that, that concerned me. That it was, you know, especially getting hit in the head like that. But, but I, I don't know. It's got to be something, Townie, that, uh, that, that pitchers like to use. Because I'll be honest with you, <laughs> until Colin McHugh signed with the Astros whatever year ago it was, he was signed as a free agent. He was doing nothing, but the Astros liked his spin rate. I'd never heard of spin rate on a baseball until that happened. And now... Uh, scouting reports come out, fastball, spin rate three, you know. I'm going, what? What, what is all the thing? And, and now uh, uh, the other night somebody threw uh, from Kansas City threw a curveball, like a 12 to 6 curveball. And I, I said, hey, Dallas, what's the spin rate on that? And he said, oh, it's about 2,700. And it came out 2,730. Yeah, I heard. You, you know, yeah. I mean, so I have no idea. Because you think about a baseball rotating. I go 12 to 6, you know, 12 o'clock, 6 o'clock yeah. off the table. And now – I, I just think, is that like 2,700 revolutions? How does it happen? <laughs> well, hey, how, how about the last, was it almost two weeks, yeah. now that this stuff's been coming out, yeah. batting average around the league is up 15 points. I mean, that's got to tell you. And also hit batters. Did you see that? Oh, that's the thing. It's like these guys have been using the substances, but yet I think, what are we reading this article? It was like. Since 1901, this is like the fourth highest year rate guys have been hit. That's right. And it's more velocity than yeah. ever before. I mean, if you're a hitter, it's a scary times. Yeah. you got a lot of guys throwing hard, Ray, who have no idea where it's going. I read today that there are 93 pitchers in baseball throwing 96 or better. Think about that. Have fun going up to the plate. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, if you, if you, if you do the math of 30 teams and say 13 pitchers, so it's 390. Pitchers in Major League Baseball and 93 are throwing 96 miles per hour. That's unbelievable. I mean, it, uh, it, it's, it's really scary. And, and you know, if, if they have movement, it helps them. If they don't have movement, I think it hurts them. But, you know, because a four-seam fastball, you see it crushed all the time and because it's straight. But, but no, it, it's, just, it's just something new that's happening. It's unfortunate that it's, it's, a, it's a tarnish on baseball, which is such a great game. But, um, you know, you have to level the playing field, uh, just like with the um, performance-enhancing drugs. All the, that's all everybody said. Let's level the playing field. You know, let's let's make it even for everybody. And I'm sure this is similar here, except that this is probably, I'd say, greater percentage of pitchers. I mean, 
I can't see a position player because they're allowed to use pine tar when they grip the bat. And that's the, that's the funny thing or the strange thing about how all this is working out, that hitters can use everything in the world, the moda stick, you know, the pine tar, everything in the world to help them grip the bat. Matt Olson, did you see the one time that he, he checked his swing and his batting gloves came off? And he says, I put so much pine tar on my batting gloves that when he swung, the glove came off with the bat. You know, <laughs> it, 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 but, it, but that's how much. I, could. I, I'm so glad you brought So, like, I've been saying that, and then even I kind of got into this with Chris Rose, the TV host, where I'm like, Chris, you realize the hitters get to have armor. They get to have all of this. And he was like, oh, no, no, you, he told me I got it wrong. I'm like, okay, wait a minute. Hitters can get a better grip, but pitchers can't get a better grip? I mean, what? there has to be – there has to be something done by baseball to yeah. regulate, I think, the equipment yeah. to know what kind of bat we're using, what kind of ball we're yeah. using. Do, I mean, pitchers have to have some type of substance for a better grip. Like, let's let's create something because our game needs to stop having these controversies. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it needs to be played without any controversy. Now, what what is this that the stuff they wrap about with the handle bat handle? You can see the different colors, green, different. Yeah, it's it, like it's it's like it's, this. It's, it's the same. Tacky. It's, it's the tape that's just like on a tennis racket. And, and do you know what? If I'd have had that in my day, I would never have used batting gloves or pine tar because you get a grip. Yeah, you can grip it. You don't need anything additionally if you're putting that on your bat. So, but I think Matt Olson is using that. Plus batting gloves, plus pine tar. It's you know you could see him when he's trying to adjust his hands. <laughs> but you're worried about a pitcher having yeah. sunscreen. Yeah, exactly. I mean it's kind of like yeah. it, it's it's odd. It's it's almost like baseball really doesn't know what to do. Yeah, and, and somebody evidently brought it up, and here we go. You know, but now it, it's it's unfortunate that's even being talked about. And and I guess you know when when the I guess they're already talking about what happens if you get caught. And, and different things that can Ten happen. Ten games. Ten games. and uh, But you will be paid. But there's nobody to replace you. You can't be replaced. I did see that. That if you're suspended for ten days, ten games, nobody can take your place on the roster. So you're playing short. So I would. So you're playing short, but yet you're still getting paid. Which you should. <laughs> yeah, no. Right, so, so what's the big deal? You personally could care less. <laughs> you know, if you don't care about your team and you personally are, are okay with it, but that's no. about uh, eight tea times right there yeah. that you're going to have. Yeah. Nice yeah. little ten day off day. Yeah, you know, and, and it really is. And I, I think the way you were talking to what's his name, Andy, you know, in the book about how. You know, a bank robber got to keep the money, and, and you know, and, and that is the case. That's the sad part about what and, – and I, and I think baseball really has a black eye because of what happened during that period of time where you got Jim Crane, uh, Jeff Luno, A.J. Hinch, um, Alex, Alex Cora, Cora, Carlos Beltran. Carlos Beltran. And they're the only ones that took the heat. And the, and the players, you know, they got everything. They got the World Series check and the rings and – you know, probably increase in salary and the whole thing. But, uh, you know, I, I, I don't think that I, I guess in hindsight, would have said I'm going to grant you immunity if you tell us everything. Well, you know, why wouldn't they tell everything? And so I, I guess from the standpoint of the powers to be, they, they got what they wanted by getting somebody to talk about what was happening and, and so be it. But I think you also brought up a point as I was listening as I was coming in that you said as long as there's turnover in personnel, people know what happened. That's just like Mike Fires. I, I give, you know, personally, I give Mike Fires credit for exposing that. You know, people don't like that he did it. What's, what happens here stays. No, no, no. That's, that's different. And it's the same thing that, 
if a player gets traded, the first thing someone will say, well, what signs were you using? Third base coach, what were you using for hit and run, steal, bunt, cetera, you know, things like that. And, and that's why typically if somebody is traded, you have a meeting and say, okay, we're changing signs. Because that person who just left obviously is going to talk to the new team and tell them, Here the, here's what, what they've been using. And you look at it and you see, okay, it's the same, then shame on them. You know, but I saw something last night. Well, I, you know, you're, you're, a great, you're a great guy to talk about this, okay? So you leave Cleveland, you come to Oakland. You win championships. You go back to Cleveland. If the A's were cheating back in your day, why would you go to Cleveland and not tell the powers that be at Cleveland, you're just going to let the A's come in and steamroll you and not not tell them? Or or when you would come here to Oakland, you wouldn't tell, hey, this is what these guys are doing? I mean, the audacity to think that no one would say anything about what what the Astros were doing once you left the Astros. No, no, I, I agree 100%. I agree 100% that, you know, if they did not want Mike Fires to say anything, keep him. <laughs> keep him because at that point he's not going to say anything. But at, with the turnover, and Tony, I, I keep binders mainly on pitchers because it just is so overwhelming. But if you take 750 now, 700 and uh, what, 76 major league players every year, you look at the turnover every year of how many free agents, how many guys are traded. Relievers. Unbelievable. Right? How t- the turnover, exactly. Like, like you, you, I'll, I'll look at a team, and, and Adam Roden does such a great job with the scouting report, let, let's say on the Angels. They had a completely new bullpen. Completely. I can't think of anybody that was re- remained from last year. I mean, there's some guy like uh, uh, Claudio was, had been with the Rangers. I mean, so, but, but they're different teams. Uh, and Strickland, Hunter Strickland, you, you know, he's making a ton of money on travel expenses, you know, get, going different places. But, but no, there, there's such a turnover. So with that said, sure, I mean, things are going to happen. Now, maybe a reliever doesn't wouldn't know what the third base coach signs are being used. But, you know, there, there are a lot of things that can happen. You, you know, they could say, okay, you know what, the runner is second. You know, they're using the second sign or third sign or whatever it might be. But And that's why now – you, every time uh, a new pitcher comes in, here comes somebody out of the dugout with a new laminated sheet of paper for the catcher to put in his back pocket. Of course, that's for the pitcher and how to pitch certain guys. But, you know, it, it's still about, okay, everything is fine. Runner gets a second. Uh-oh, got to stop. Pull out my cheat sheet. What's it say? Uh, okay, sequence three, two, one. Okay. What, what, what is it? You know, but it's because evidently, and I did talk to someone that said they have still pretty good proof that, that teams are cheating to the point that they have algorithms that somebody can can pick out what sequence is being used, get back, give it, and they can figure out the size. Now, I will say this. When I was with Milwaukee, one of the best teams that did it legitimately, runner gets to second base, you concentrate on the catcher, and you get the sequence of signs that's used. So let's go. He goes two, one, four, three, one. He throws a fastball. Okay, you say there's a second sign. One is a fastball. So you see it again. It's the same thing. You go back in the dugout and you say, okay, this is what I saw. And then the next guy gets a second base. He looks in. If it's the same, you give some sign to the hitter saying, I got him. Let's go. But that's legitimate, Townie. I mean, that's not a camera in the center field. Correct. You know, that's legitimate. That's and, picking your signs. What? Human beings picking human right, beings, and that's right. fine. And shame on the catcher for doing that Yeah. to me. Because, you know, I was looking last night. I was watching last night because, see – 
when when Tommy Ads are director on TV and Delaire Lawur is a producer, when they, they show that center field camera, you can see the runner at second, you can see the pitcher, you can see the hitter, the catcher, and the umpire. Now, all you have to do is watch the runner at second base. You watch him at second base, and if, if he's doing something out of the ordinary, I saw something last night in a particular instance where on a breaking ball, the runner at second base got out and looked at second. Look back, breaking ball. Next time, looks back, breaking ball. Next time, doesn't look, fastball. And I'm going, there it is. There's a sign. So it took somebody to know what signs were being used, or I can't see that it's just coincidental that two out of five times he's looking at second base and the other three he's not. You know, So there's something going on, and that's what you look at as a catcher, to see something that's happening with the runner's second base. And that at that point, I would just, and I've said it before, I'd just stand up and say to the hitter, you know what? I don't like what you guys second's doing, and my guy is very wild. I'm going to set up inside. I don't know where this is going to go, you know. And that's how you take care of things. And, and you know, so if they, they're doing something, that hitter doesn't want to get hit, you know, because of what the guy's second base might be doing. He may not be doing anything, but from the catcher's standpoint, it looks like he is, and that's when you could, you could do some damage. But, you know, it's uh, back to the original point. It's, it's a shame we're even talking about it. It really is. Because – I mean, remember at the time they legitimately had the uh, the uh, spitball and they used uh, some piece of wood or something they put in the mouth. Emery, uh, emery board? Not an emery. No, no, no. It's like a something stick. But anyway, it's it, it created it created kind of moisture, so you could put it on, and make it like a slippery, you know. And then they outlawed that, and then. You know, uh, the late Joe Necro had the file, figure no file for his knuckleball. No. <laughs> <laughs> and Steve Palermo, God bless him, you know, great umpire. And he's out there. I still see him with his arm folded. And he goes, <laughs> kind of looks to his right, sees this shiny thing float down, you know. <laughs> he said, well, I was just keeping my nails, you know, for the uh, – but no, there are guys that have tried things. And, you know, and if they get caught, they get caught. But now because of things that are happening and there are going to be some serious penalties – I think we're going to see everything shut down for the guys who were using it. All right. I said I was going to ask you yesterday. Let's go back to 1970. Yeah. You're in the All-Star game. Yeah. And you're facing Bob Gibson. Now, what I want people to know is that you grew up in Marion, Illinois, the yep. and you were a diehard Cardinals fan. So as a kid growing up loving the St. Louis Cardinals – what was it like to get in the box and you're going up against Bob Gibson in the All-Star game? Yeah, Tony, I was – I mean, first of all, I was like a kid in a candy store. You can imagine my baseball cards came to life for me. I mean, I collected – Stan Musial yeah. was there, your guy. I, I, I collected cards of, of these guys, and, and I'm in the dugout with them. I'm on the field with them, and, and, and I'm going, you got to be kidding me. I'm 23 years old, and I'm playing in an all-star game. You know, Tony, it was just such a thrill. It was hotter than heck in Cincinnati. is that artificial surface. And uh, it, it was – I remember the workout on Monday, which, you know, we didn't have all the festivities they have now. We, You know, no home run derbies, but working out, and, and that turf was so hot. And then very hot the Tuesday night in Cincinnati. And that was a stadium that really they'd only played a few games there. It was a brand-new stadium. And um, – but, you know, just the thrill of I faced Gaylord and, and hit a ball, got a base hit, and I think I had a sack fly off Gibby. And, you know, it was Fred Lynn who hit the only grand slam in 
all-star history in Chicago, I came close, you know, because I had the bases loaded and had a sack fly to the warning track, you know, and, and got it. But, you know, it, it was just, just one of those things. I mean, it, it was almost like a blur, you know, to be selected. Uh, Bill Freehand was voted in by the fans. And then, uh, you know, I was hitting over 300 at the time and, you know, I think 16 home runs and 41, 42 runs batted in, something like that. And then so uh, Earl Weaver told me, he said, as soon as he plays the required number of innings, you're going to be in there. And so Earl Weaver. Earl Weaver, yeah. He was, he, he, you know, he, he could, he, I mean, he was great. He was great. But, uh, but you know, uh, I, I saw him in Elmira, New York, when I first came up in Double A in 1965. He was managing on Elmira. I was playing for Reading. And he was there, and he had a powerhouse in Elmira at Double A. And then, of course, as he went up through the ranks and became manager, and uh, he, he had an even better team in the big leagues. But, uh, but you know, Tony, it, it's, it's such a thrill to be selected to play in an all-star game and to show up and you're in the clubhouse with all these guys that you know, that you know their history, you know them, and, and you're one of them. You're going, wow, you know. And, and like I said last night, the, the all-stars are sitting up there like, you know, Harmon Killebrew and Brooks and Frank Rowe. What's the big deal? I'm running up, up and down the dugout, you know, like a kid. I mean, it, it was a thrill for me, and I really, really enjoyed it. And uh, It's a thrill just to go to it, well, yeah. let alone play in yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I'm and, thinking as a fan, I've been to a couple all-star games, and it's like, I mean, it's amazing the amount of talent that's yeah. on the field. Yeah. And you're just a fan being there. I can't even imagine. Yeah. I can't even imagine as a young guy when you walk in. What is it like when you walk into the clubhouse and you're around these guys? Like, are you scared to talk? Oh, I'm scared, like, scared to death. I mean, I was 23. These guys had played in who knows how many all-star games. Oh, yeah. I mean, they'd, they'd been there forever. They, they, they were the two all-star games yeah. a year guys, yeah, too. Yeah, for that period of time. You're right. But, uh, no, it, it was just, uh, gosh, it was, it was just, you know, such a thrill. Catching catfish. Uh, Clyde Wright was the one who threw the ball and uh, in the 12th inning that Jim Hickman hit and uh, called Mel Stoudemire. Yeah, I mean, just just catching these guys. Sam McDowell. I, I called. It's funny. I, I'll never forget this. Sam McDowell had a great changeup. Johnny Bench came up. And I first pitch, I called a changeup. He swung through it, you know, obviously looking fastball. And I just kind of chuckled, called it, called three in a row. <laughs> Struck him out on three changeups. And that's why my guys get themselves. This is, this is Ray Fossey's perfecto calling these back-to-back-to-back changeups, you know. Because, see, as a hitter, you see one, you don't expect two in a row. It's the All-Star game. You think you're getting a yeah, fastball. That's right. And no, no. And he looked at me, you, he, he was upset. But but Sam had a great changeup. Uh, but, no, Townie, listen, I, I, I was fortunate playing that one. Um, the next year I was selected by the fans, and unfortunately I stupidly charged them out and uh, got in a fight and couldn't play because I was injured and whenever they were in Detroit. And even then, you know, like now where if, if you're a pitcher and don't, don't, uh, can't pitch, you get to go. Or if you're hurt and you're selected, you, you get – we didn't do that. Man. Yeah, that wasn't part of it. But So I, I went actually over the day before and, and bench had Bobby Goldsboro there singing up in the suite. You know, so, I mean, that was a thrill for Carol and me to go over to Detroit just for the day before. I had some interview I had to do. And so we, we did that and then went back to Cleveland and watched the game. But, uh, I mean, listen – uh, I've been so blessed to be able to, you know, play in the All-Star game like that and uh, and then come out here and be on world championship teams and sit here and be with you, you know, once a week and, and talk baseball and different things. You know, I mean, it's, 
It's been a blessed life, man. I mean, I, I can't complain about one thing. I've been very blessed. Well, I mean, you can say here to the audience that, you know, the biggest thrill of your career is Ace Cast Live. It's Ace, okay to say that. Ace Cast Live and, and the chicken pie shop, which I can't <laughs> can't wait to go to Walnut Creek. I'm trying to tell my wife, you know, about it and figure out a time to go. But, no, you you and Cody have done a tremendous job on Ace Cast and Ace Cast Live to, uh, to, to really – promote A's baseball and, and I think that's tremendous of what you guys have done and I mean you get over three million downloads you know people are paying attention you know and you got I listened to your call in that at night and uh, the one guy apologized last night about Luke Trevino yeah <laughs> how about eight hey, some point you got you're looking at your scorebook and you say Luke's got 11 saves I know he does and see I said from the beginning I said even before they got Trevor Rosenthal I thought he could be a closer but if you've never experienced that, that's what I said before. And you can't, you can't be upset with somebody who fails. At, at it. Like you said, it's the finale. You know, it's the yes. final guy. You know? And even now, I think it's more Lou than Lou and Diekman. Now, when Trevor comes back, if he does, you know, we'll see how that changes things. But, but the, the more Lou pitches, the better Lou is. He dropped that curveball last night. That's so unusual, you know, for, for, a, for a reliever in general, but a closer especially to come in. You know, it's usually sinker slider, you know. Then oh, here comes Uncle Charlie. You go, what is that? Yeah. You know, but because typically relievers don't have a lot of time to get loose to throw all of their pitches. But Lou, having been a starter and a certain count, he can throw that. And in this particular case, gets a strikeout. I mean, it, it, it's just a great pitch to be able to throw. Okay, I, I, I hate to go long because I know you got a lot to do. But what you just talked about right there, I try to ex I, I try – to explain this to people in the post-game show about changing eye level. Yeah. And that curveball is a great example. Like, if you're throwing a, a fastball-slider combination versus someone who drops a big curveball like that, yeah. that starts over your head. Right. Draw, think about the hitter's eyes, how what he sees. Right. I mean – Talk about how changing, and as a catcher, you want to change guys, their their eye level, and the planes that the ball will go through. Well, typically, it's the fastballs that you change the eye level. But now you have a curveball as a closer. You're exactly right because you're looking at a certain area for everything to be hard in that particular spot. Not a lot of closers. I can't think of many who come in with a, a dynamite changeup. Like uh, yeah, Troy Percival had a big curveball, yeah. but not a lot of guys have yeah. a big curveball. Trevor Hoffman, you know, threw changeup change yeah. and, and uh, Doug Jones changeup off changeups, things like that. But you know, by and large, they're throwing hard. But but you're right. So that that's why it's not something that you're going to throw a lot. But you're exactly right. As a hitter, you're thinking, okay, and they go, whoa, there it goes, and and then especially with two strikes. It doesn't have to be a perfect pitch. It could be close enough that a hitter thinks, he, first of all, he's fooled, changes his whole thinking process, and then all of a sudden, there's the pitch. Where is it? i got to swing at it because I don't know where it is. And usually it can be out of the strike zone. It could be in the dirt. It could be wherever. But you're exactly right to be able to do that, to change. It changes everything because if you're able to be locked in, I, I like your thought process also about the height of certain pitchers. Yes. That everything is the same, you know, versus down, straight, and same. And the fact that they lowered the mound after 68 makes it even worse for those guys because they're even closer to being on the same plane. But you have somebody taller throwing down, and then you take somebody like Lou Trevino who can throw a nasty sinker and a cutter, 
<laughs> and oh, by the way, here comes Uncle Charlie when you surprise the heck out of him. I, I think it's an outstanding pitch. But no, you're, you're spot on with regard to the change in the eye level. And if you can do that as a closer in a crucial situation, you're going to be outstanding. And I think that's where Lou, as more times that he goes out on the mound to be in that closer role, he gains more confidence because I've seen, I mean, Dennis Eckersley hated it when Tony Russo said, I want to put you in the bullpen. He said, I'm, not, I'm a starter. You're not going to do that to me. But he convinced him to do it. And with his impeccable control and, and ability to throw, you know, three or four times a week because he didn't throw a lot of pitches because he threw strikes and game over whenever he came in the game. So, you know, if, if you've been a starter um, and you've been in a certain role, let's say in a bullpen as a setup guy, you know, and then all of a sudden, hey, we want you to be the closer. It's like Mark Cannon being a, a leadoff hitter. He's never done that. So it's the same with Lou Trevino as a closer. It takes some time to get acclimated. I think even more so as a closer because at least with Mark, he can play every day. A closer doesn't always get in a game. And so I think that's where a huge difference is. But I think Lou's going to be fine. I, I think he's got the stuff. And the more he pitches, the mentality is going to even make it better. And I think it's going to be outstanding in that role. You know, I just thought about this. If you're Mariano Rivera, I guess you'd never need a cheat sheet because you're only throwing the same pitch. pitch over. Like, like if you're on second base and you're leading off, and Jorge Posada's throwing down. <laughs> what are you doing? We know you're throwing the same yeah. pitch. <laughs> I, I don't know if I told you this, but uh, Jim told me. I saw him in Cleveland that um, I don't know, something was going on. And, and we were talking about how watching catcher's feet. Our, our catcher's watching the hitter's feet. And he said Jorge Posada was the one catcher that I couldn't fool. He said because when R Rivera came in, he said, I would just kind of casually back off the plate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And here goes Posada just going with him. <laughs> so as far as Tommy went, here comes Posada. So the cutter was the same regardless of where he was. But, but see, that's the importance because Jimmy was smart enough to know that that cutter is going to eat him up. So if he backs up and he throws in the same spot, it's a good pitched hit. But Posada was smart enough as a catcher, which catcher should do, watch the hitter's feet because they'll tell you what they're trying to do. Uh, but catchers more concerned about looking at the eyes and see if they're peaking. No, but you can't tell what signs you're giving anyway when, you, when, when you're hitting, unless you have sunglasses on. <laughs> Jim Tomey wasn't afraid to swing 3-0. Oh, no. What? No. <laughs> you're going to throw a cookie in there? Oh, oh no, 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 no. I mean, you hit over 600 home runs. Yeah. You've hit remember a lot that of grand slam? He was with the Twins, 3-0. Yeah. And I remember doing that postgame show going, hey, he sings 3-0. He's going to the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Yeah, no, he, he's, he's a great person, and I remember he first came up, I, we were broadcasting, and I said, hey, they got this, this young kid third baseman named Tomei playing in AAA, and Jim Tomei. He came up as a third baseman, went to first, and Hall of Famer, 600 home runs plus, and, uh, and just a great guy, great guy. Well, you have a great call tonight. Thank you. I, I hope we didn't go too long, Cody. We all right? We went okay. a little long, but I'm going to see you in uh, – yeah. yeah, so yeah, I'm waiting for the text from Robert Costa. Oh, see, no, not today. It's Scotty. It's Scott. So, so won't, you won't even get I one. I won't get one. <laughs> I, I'll just see you over here by about 547. <laughs> All right, buddy. All right, have a good one, The great one, Ray Fossey, the face of the franchise. I'm thinking, Cody, we just have to go right to it, right? All right, earlier today, tra uh, Travis Shawcheck, who is the author of The MVP Machine, one of the great baseball books, joined us here, senior baseball writer for the score, as it's getting sticky in Major League Baseball. Trav, it's, a, it's great to have you back on the program. I wish it was under different circumstances, but uh, we've got a lot of stickiness going around in this game. 
<laughs> uh, we sure do. And after Major League Baseball has kind of looked the other way for years and knowing this was going on, I, I just think strikeout rates, uh, the record low batting averages had kind of forced their hand to look at some solutions that, you know, didn't involve, you know, moving the mound back at midseason or something like that. And this was the low-hanging fruit to, to pick is to enforce a rule on the book. Uh, we can quantify what substances do to spin, what spin, you know, the correlation, the effect on strikeout rate and batting average. Uh, so I, I expect, you know, this is going to have a big performance effect. I think we've already seen some of that. And I think it's going to have a lot of unintended consequences too, whether it's, you know, a rise in player injuries or just difficulty of uh, enforcing it, things like that. I think the timing is questionable, but I, I do think if baseball wants to get more balls in play and make the game a little more fan-friendly, this is certainly a route to go. I, I don't fault them for enforcing the rule book. Uh, I, I do think the timing is uh, in question. It seems like this would have been better to implement at the beginning of the season rather than in the middle of a season. Yeah, and, and as you said, their hands are tied at this point. Uh, the one thing that I do like about this, and I wonder if you agree, is that they've given everybody, like, time. They've said, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to suspend you. We're going to check you. But you got a couple weeks to figure it out and kind of wean yourself off of this. Uh, I think that's fine. How do you feel about the process, how they're warning you and they're telling you, we don't want to suspend you, so we're going to give you some time? Yeah, I think it's better to give a couple weeks' notice before you know, wake up one day and everything's changed. So I do think that is better than no time at all. And, you know, they sent out the March memo uh, that they were going to be more serious about this year. I think some players felt they weren't going to some players understood uh, understood it that they were not going to, uh, you know, really ratchet up enhancements this year of, uh, of enforcing this. But uh, yeah, players that should have been on the radar that MLB was taking this more seriously. And uh, look, when I mean, I experimented this in a piece for the score where where I write, and just by sticking my my hand in a jar of spider tack, I was able to. Improve my pathetic 59 mile hour fastball spin rate by 400 RPM. So that effect is significant. I mean, I think there should be a distinction drawn between rosin and rosin sunscreen. The performance effect of that isn't as great as some of the stuff that players have really, some players have really weaponized, whether it's firm grip or pelican dip grip or spider tack that can spike your RPMs by 300, 400, even 500. So uh, yeah, and that has huge benefits for strikeout rate and weaker contacts. So, yeah, I think there should be some distinctions drawn between different types of stuff. But, yeah, to, back to your original point, I, I think giving players at least some warning is better than none at all. Okay, wait a minute. We joked about it. You actually did it? You actually tried it and it worked? <laughs> yeah, I wrote a piece for the score earlier this month. Uh, we published it on the day the owners met to talk about sticky substance findings and yeah i went through rosin and sunscreen rosin mixture i use pine tar i use firm grip i use spider tack and uh, i threw with a couple college arms we published all the results and yeah there are huge differences between i mean using nothing at all uh and and then using rosin we got 150 200 rpm 
bump and then going up the list, you know, sunscreen and rosin wasn't that effective. We found it wasn't really much different than just using rosin. But when we went up to the firm grip aerosol spray or the spider tack, which was really the stickiest stuff that people have been talking about, <laughs> I got a 400 RPM bump. So you could imagine what, uh, you know, the effect of that for a, a 95 mile an hour fastball versus a, a 59 mile an hour fastball. It's, uh, that's too easy. I mean, pitchers can't be using spider tack out there. It's just a huge huge performance edge. I think there should be some room for debate on sunscreen and rosin, which I think is going to be really tough to enforce. But uh, some of the other stuff, pitchers are weaponizing and uh, yeah, it's different. I mean, the thing I've heard, the pushback I've heard as well, guys have always, pitchers have always used foreign substance. It's always been part of the game and, and that's true. But what's different is there's spin tracking technology everywhere now. Uh, I, I mean, I myself can go into a private training facility, use their spin track and rep soto unit, experiment and see the difference. See the immediate, I get immediate feedback on what works and how it works. And pitchers didn't have that access until the mid, probably around 2015 is when that kind of access to that technology began. And that's when StackCast was up in Major League Stadium. So pitchers, at least curious ones, have learned how to weaponize this. And that has never existed before. This is I know uh, the commissioner said that in his release today, and I, I agree with it. This is different. This isn't uh, your father's era of important stuff. So this isn't Gaylord Perry from the Vaseline <laughs> ball. This is something very different. Hey, if you could figure out how to fix my golf game with this stuff, I'll pay you whatever you want, <laughs> and I'm willing to cheat. If you could figure out how to do that for, for us golfers, that would be incredible. You might want to spray a little firm grip on the club head and see if you get some more backspin. It's uh, it's certainly possible. (laughs) I'm willing to cheat. There is no question. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, know, if you think about what baseball needs to do going forward, because these new balls are like cue balls. They're so slick. There's no, you know, it's just that they're hard to throw. what, what does baseball need to do to at least give the pitchers something? Because I know the hitters want them to have grip because guys don't want to get drilled by 98-mile-an-hour fastballs because there's no seams and, it, and, the, and the ball feels like a slick cue ball. No, it's a good point. And, uh, yeah, I know in Japan they have a tackier ball, and I, I believe baseball's looked into that with, with Rawlings. Uh, I don't know if that is on the immediate pipeline, but – yeah, pitchers do. You can't throw a ball without anything on it, which is why there's been rosin back on the mound forever. Uh, and I, rosin is very effective. I mean, it's basically a derivative of pine sap. It is sticky. I used it. It gives you a 150 to 200 RPM bump off of using nothing. So that's the baseline, and that's pretty good. So we've heard a lot of pitchers say that, oh, without spider, you know, with all this out the stuff, I can't throw strikes. I'm going to hit guys. And I think if they had nothing, that might be true. But I don't know. I think rosin alone remedies a lot of that issue. And I know just since June 3rd, when baseball, the previous memo, when they said, hey, we are going to do something, and we'll fill you in on the details later. In the, in the two weeks since then, roughly, uh, spin rate has declined. Uh, batting average has bumped up. Hitters are batting 246 the last 12 or 13 days versus 236 on the season. Strikeout rate has dipped a little bit. Uh, spin, 67% of pitchers have had a spin rate decline, but walk rate is actually uh, down. Uh, hit by 
to buy batters, that rate is the same. So there doesn't, there seems to be a few pitchers already lessening usage, and we're not seeing a lot of command issues. So I do think that point is a little overblown. I think Rosin alone uh, remedies a lot of that. But we're going to find out starting on the 21st. We're going to we're going to see if hit batters spike. We're going to see the effects of this. Hopefully, I saw Tyler Glass now said he felt he was injured because he stopped using sunscreen and rods. And I, I hope, you know, I would hate to see a rash of injuries. That is certainly not uh, a consequence of this anyone wants to see, but we're, we're going to find out more. I, uh, I think, you know, again, I think it makes a lot of sense. Is, is this a way to improve the product because of where strikeout rates were going? It's just, it's not a fun game for, you know, kids, the future paying customers who you want to love the game. That it's, if the ball's not in play, it's not as much fun to watch. So I totally understand why MLB is addressing this. I, the thing I just wonder about is the, the in-season uh, abrupt change. Well, I, I got to ask you about this because um, allegedly, and I always like to, when you, when you start with things like this, you say allegedly, I was tipped off last night that there was a tube of men's hair gel in the Angels' dugout. Why would hair gel be in, like, like, could you use hair gel? Like, why would there be hair gel in a dugout in Major League Baseball? You know, I don't, did someone want to look good for their post-game interviews? Right? Like, what, what, like why yeah, would that be there? It, it shouldn't be there. I, when I was testing substances, I asked a minor league pitcher, hey, do, do any of you guys use hair gel, bro cream, whatever you want to call it? And, he said they didn't, but uh, there's no. I'm sure guys have experimented with it, and uh, just like uh, Harold Mazingo, a former minor league pitcher, he runs a private facility and he's experimented with all kinds of stuff. He found super blow pops or super sticky, and uh, he's experimented <laughs> with garlic. I mean, he's tried everything. So, uh, yeah, the more I'm sure hair gel in concert with something would be effective. So. Policing this stuff is going to be another challenge. And uh, I sort of, I don't think umpires signed up for checking pitchers' fingertips times a game, but that's where we're going. And it's going to be interesting, interesting television for sure. Yeah, like what are you going to do if you do you, you use copper tone and L.A. looks? L.A. looks, the famous hair gel. <laughs> like how, how, how are you going to yeah. test for that? Like I, I, I mean, I, I guess spider tack would be kind of easy because I know it's like a dark substance. You could see it, but how are you going to see hair gel and sunscreen? I, uh, it's going to, if you have a clear sticky substance, it's, or the umpire, I mean, I guess umpires are going to have to physically touch hands. And then if it's a day game, pitchers need to be able to use sunscreen to some, you know, to protect themselves. I, uh, so I think sunscreen is a really tricky one and hair gel too. And, <laughs> you know, um, pictures aren't going to stop looking for an edge. I mean, I do think this is going to have a heavy deterrent effect, but it's not going to deter everyone. And people are going to look for things that aren't as easily detectable. So it'll always be a, a cat and mouse game. Maybe, you know, maybe they'll come up with a TSA style screening station where they swab your hand and they put a quickly and look at if you have a banned sticky substance. I don't know. It, it raises a lot of questions, but uh, again, I think just the pictures I describe as weaponizing sticky stuff. They've just created this huge performance edge over batters and the pitchers who either aren't using it or don't benefit from it, like a, a two-seam heavy pitcher or a change-up heavy pitcher, wouldn't necessarily benefit from sticky stuff. They want generally less fit on those pitches. So 
uh, I do think leveling the playing field is important too. Well, if this means more balls in play, like we've actually seen with A's games, because, you know, we're one of the teams that have been so strikeout, walk, home run heavy. I welcome it because watching guys hit 220 and swinging for the fences is getting old. Wouldn't you say if this will put more balls in play, this will be good for all of us? Oh, yeah. No, I totally agree with that. And uh, I think from the big picture view, the 30,000 foot view down, it's, I think it's perfectly reasonable for MLB to, to enforce this rule. And I think it's going to have a big impact on balls in play. I mean, like I said, uh, the last 12, 13 days since the June 3rd memo, batters are hitting 246, which is like 15 points above the previous 11 days or 12 days. So maybe that was just variance in season, but it seemed like there was an immediate there was an immediate spin drop and uh, there were more balls in play, more hits, and that's good for baseball. I mean, could you imagine kids playing Little League Baseball if there's a 33% strikeout if the ball is never in play? Oh, Everyone yeah. would be standing around, kicking dirt, kicking dandelions in the outfield, and that's that's not how baseball was meant to be played. It's just the pitchers have gotten too good. The velocity is too good. The pitch design is too good. You cannot put spider tack on top of that and think you're going to have like a – uh, an enjoyable product to watch for a huge segment of of the fan base. I think a certain portion of baseball fans will love the game no matter what it looks like or how it's played, but to broaden the customer base and the fan base, you, the, the game has to look a certain way, and this is the easiest way to, to remedy some of those issues. What did you think about Pete Alonso and him talking about changing the baseball based on who was going to be free agents, like the, the big class. Was it going to be pitchers? Was it going to be hitters? That we're going to change the ball to hurt whoever is going to be the strongest free agent class. What would you think about that? Because he said it's fact. Yeah, I, I have my doubts. I I don't – even if you want to buy in that conspiracy theory, I think it would be tough to, to kind of execute. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean – interesting thoughts, but I, I kind of doubt them. Yeah, it'd be pretty tough. And I mean, that was, <laughs> I mean, I look back on as much as I like a good conspiracy theory, it, it, it's kind of, <laughs> yeah. it, it, it's kind of proved, but you know what? It, it doesn't, it go to show us that baseball has a very limited time, but they need to figure out how to regulate their equipment. When we're talking about how the bats are now different, uh, baseballs, players are not sure what baseballs they're using. Isn't it imperative right now that baseball gets a hold of their equipment and figure it out? Yeah, and they, I, I think it's, you don't want to have the ball be a story every year, whether or not, you know, I think some of the ball changes have been kind of overblown to an extent. Like, this is supposed to be a dead end ball season. The last two weeks, the home run to fly ball rate isn't too much different than 2019, you know, the record high year. So, I think some of that is overblown, but you're right. I mean, uh, it's not good for baseball to have every year there's a new story about the ball or that sort of thing. So, uh, you know, they, they own Rollins now, so you'd think they should get that in order. And I think just getting sticky stuff lessened out of the game to some extent would go a long way to, to solving a lot of these problems. Uh, uh, so <laughs> it just seems like anytime there's a national story in baseball lately, it's a scandal. And, uh, you know, maybe any publicity is good publicity, but I, I don't know that you want <laughs> scandals to be your only uh, storylines that are generating, you know, headlines everywhere and, and mainstream, uh, you know, public discourse and media coverage. So 
yeah, I think getting the ball, getting the sticky stuff out would, uh, or the ball, you know, kind of regulated would, would be good. Let's end on this. Where is the sport going? I don't know if it's neuroscience or they're all, everybody's always looking to get an edge data wise and, and how to get better at this game. Uh, you know, since you've written the book, the MVP machine, where is baseball going? Where's the next edge? Well, it was maybe it was sticky stuff. <laughs> maybe it's a clear, odorless, sticky substance. But uh, no, it's a good question. I know uh, you know some teams have become a lot more interested in the cap- AI capabilities. Uh, you mentioned in neuroscience. I I think the psychology of the game, just better understanding that, could be uh, could be huge. I've always thought, you know, if you had a, if you had a player with you know, the yips, if you, if you could have had a, a young Rick and Keel work with someone to get through that, or Pedro Alvarez, when you got moved up third base with the Pirates, that, that would be huge. So I want, we've been so data heavy lately and media coverage and baseball front office interests, but I wonder if some of the softer sciences, psychology and that sort of thing are kind of under, under, under you know, not um, underappreciated, not employed, uh, integrated well enough. So I think that could be an area too. Well, we've been telling everybody to read the MVP machine. We always appreciate your time and let's talk soon. Thanks for having me on. I enjoyed it. Great stuff. And we are running out of time. So we have to go quick right here on A's cast live. Wrong. Well, wrong one. So you muted me and then you muted, muted yourself. Yeah. It's, it's been a, by the way, Carlos Radon, not happy about the uh, 10 game suspensions on Carl. On Commissioner Manfred, he pretty much said 10-game suspensions for, for foreign substances, but no suspensions for the Astros. So, yeah, this isn't going over very well with a lot of starting pitchers in Major League Baseball, but I got a couple quotes to review real quick. I'd probably quit football if I had to play for somebody else. I'm a Raider for my life. I'm going to root for one team for the rest of my life. It's the Raiders. So I feel, the things, I feel so strong in my heart that I don't, I don't need a perfect situation to make things right. I'd rather go down with the ship. You know what I'm saying? If I have to. Who said that? They've already said it? Oh, yeah, they said it today during Raiders minicamp. Uh, that would, I would, if I had to guess, that'd be Derek Carr. That's Derek Carr. Buying or selling Derek Carr would retire before he wasn't the Raiders quarterback. Oh, the greatness of the Raiders and Derek Carr. Everybody asks me this all the time because I'm the guy that did the John Gruden TV show and got to talk to him a lot. His, his, I don't want to say love, but his like for Derek Carr is very strong. So as much as everybody wants to say Derek Carr is not going to be the quarterback of the Raiders, he and Gruden are tight. Derek Carr is the quarterback of the Raiders, whether you like it or not. And so, that's not changing. Sell so and Rodgers will be there in a couple of weeks. You want to bet? No, I don't. I, I'm telling you, look how many opportunities they've I had. I, I, he, he, Gruden is all in on Derek Carr. I'm glad he's going to be there. I like Derek. I mean, if he didn't break his leg here at the Coliseum against the Colts, what, five years ago? On Christmas Eve. On Christmas Eve, he would have been the MVP. I, I mean, was sizing up my Super Bowl ring. Uh, Jack, Jack Carrillo still might be the head coach. Well. Yeah? He still might be the head coach. Yeah? That's all I got. We'll save the rest of the baseball stuff for later this week. That was, we good, that was a good show today. We're not back till Friday. Oh, yeah, because tomorrow's a day game and Thursday. Travel day, off day for us. I'll be in Di- out at Disneyland. And so we're back on mo- uh, Friday at 1 o'clock. The happiest place on earth that is now not requiring you to wear a mask. 
Uh, California is opening up. Today's the first day. Uh, who's next? Matt Chapman. The great Matt Chapman. And I'll be back for A's Total Access in minutes. Thank you for listening to A's Cast Live. We want to thank Andy Martino, the author of Cheated, the inside story of the Astros scandal and a colorful history of sign stealing. And also Ray Fossey and Travis Sawcheck, senior baseball writer from The Score and also the author of The MVP Machine. We'll be back in minutes. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.